faith and drives us into his presence. Acts 3, it says, uh, times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. And maybe that word refreshing, like maybe that's the opposite of what you felt lately. Maybe you've been in a season where you're just exhausted, you're depressed, you're scared, you don't really know why. Um, But that's a promise that we have in scripture. Times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. So through everything I'm about to say, my prayer is just that that you would just be drawn into the presence of the Lord because anything that I have to say today is not gonna change you. You guys don't need to hear my words. You need to hear the Father's words to you. And, and once you start to hear that, once you start to hear what he has to say to you, for you, about you, that's when your life is really going to start changing. And, and that's when you're really going to start being transformed. And like, I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but like this campus needs transformed Christians. Like they, this campus doesn't need, I call myself a Christian and then nothing follows. Like this campus needs transformed Christians. There's 35,000 students here. There's people from all over the world here and they need to know Jesus. And I think it's really easy to get comfortable here in the four walls and just go about our lives and settle into this routine and lose this sense of urgency. But like, guys, there's, there is this sense of urgency. Like people need to know the Lord. People are dying every day without knowing him. And if you don't know the Lord, like I, I plead with you guys, like know God. Like, it's a gift that is available through Jesus. That last, I love songs that just preach the gospel. That last song was literally just the gospel. And the gospel is just this gift that has been made available to you where, where Jesus just took on your sin to give you his righteousness, to give you eternity with him. And I just, like, plead with you guys, if you, if you don't know him, then make that decision this morning. There's no reason to wait. Tomorrow's not promised. So, um, that, that's like my first goal is just to put salt on your tongues and make you guys hunger and thirst for more of God because he's infinite. There's always more. Um, and then the second and, and kind of just the, the topic of my sermon is to just convince you guys <laughs> of who you are in Jesus. Really, just to convince you of, of what your identity is in Jesus. I think that like far too often, um, Just like, I'm actually going to read a scripture. I'm going to open up with this, and then I'm going to pray. Um, so Revelation 12, 10 through, uh, I read 10 through 11. So it says, this is, this is right before um, Satan is cast down again to the earth. This is, the end has almost come. So, um, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death I think that way too often we come into agreement we agree with the accusation of the accuser over our life rather than the truth that the father speaks about our life I'm going to say that again. We far too often, we agree with the accusation of the devil before we agree with the the promises of the Father about us. Because he stands accusing us before God right now. That's his full-time job. He, He speaks lies. He's the father of lies. And he brings accusation against the body. And he's accusing us before the Father. He does not think that you love God. 
He stands before God saying, these, these people don't love you. They're not committed to you. They're afraid. They're scared. He says to you, You're, you don't really love God. You don't even know if he exists. He might not love you back, actually. You're not a confident son and daughter. You're just, you're just a scared, insignificant person who can't do anything. Those are the kind of things that he says, and far too often, I, I don't know about you, but those kind of thoughts run through my mind all the time, and far too often I agree with the accusation of the enemy before I agree with the promise of the Father. And, and the most, the best perspective that we can have about ourselves is his perspective about us, is the Father's perspective about us. So today, I'm just going to get into a lot of that stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically tell you guys promises from Scripture of, of how God sees you and what's available for you and who he thinks you are, who you really are. And, and my hope is that we would get out of this agreement with the devil because he, his mission, and wow, Jonathan, you're talking about the devil. That's some pretty heavy stuff. But no, he's real. There's a, a thief, and his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he hates you. And he hates that you love God. And he is doing everything in his power to pull you away, to bring you into a place of complacency, a place of, of just dead faith. And guys, he's been defeated 100%. The victory is God's already. So we don't have to agree with him. We don't have to agree with the lies that he speaks over us. We can agree with, with who God sees us as. Um, and, and just the word agreement is one that has just been so heavy on my mind as I've been preparing for this and, and praying about this, is the word agreement. Who do you agree with? Who do you, what voice do you agree with? We have thousands of thoughts that go through our mind every day, and I think a lot of the time we, we focus on the bad ones, especially the bad ones about ourselves. And we, we get into this, play, like, we, we somehow see ourselves as defeated, um, scared people, who God probably won't be able to actually use. And that's just so not who we are. So um, I'm actually, I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna jump into the scripture. So, oh, God, <laughs> you're so good. And we just love you. That's why we're here. That's why we gather. It's because we love you, and because you love us back. And the love with which you love us, we just wanna reflect back to you, Father, and Today, I just pray that you would be glorified, God. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would just flood our minds, wash our minds, and give us your perspective. Because I, I, I don't want to be in agreement with the enemy. I want to be in agreement with who you are, God, and I want the same for this church, and I want this campus to be saved. Ultimately, God, I, I pray that every single person that goes to this school would know you. And that's not too lofty a thing to ask for because you are, are capable, you are powerful, God, and you, you died that all should be saved. That's your will. So, God, I pray for your will to be done. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak through me. Anything that's not of you would just fall to the ground. Anything that is of you would just penetrate our hearts and stick. And God, ultimately, that we would be people who are just transformed for the gospel. We just love you, Jesus, so much. In, in your name, amen. Um, so our scripture is, is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, and I'm going to be like all over the place. I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading a lot of different scripture for you guys, but that's good. The Bible's a good book. Okay, so I'm going to pick up in, in verse 14, and I'm going to go down to verse 21. Um, for the love of Christ controls us, 
because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. So, <laughs> if you look at verse 16, he, he gives a therefore, and I know everyone's heard the whole therefore thing. If you see therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. So if you look back before, I'm going to read verse 14 and 15 again, actually. So it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who... So what it says in verse 16, it says, Therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. The reason why we regard no one according to the flesh is, is because of what it says in verse 14 and 15, that the love of Christ controls us, and, and it's basically the gospel, because he, he died on the cross for our sins. So when we go to him and we put our faith in him, it's no longer us that lives. There's a, a death that happens in that, when we put our faith in Jesus. And if you look at, uh, at like Romans 6, it's another scripture, I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, what shall we say then, or do we continue in sin? This is Romans 6, 1 through 9. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin, so there's a death that we have to sin when we put our faith in Jesus. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we might walk in newness of life which is what it says in in 2 Corinthians as well. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So the the statement that, that has been in my mind frequently um, for the past couple months, and I'm, I'm even hesitant to say it because I'm going to say this, and you all are immediately going to be like, whoa, 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 Jonathan, I don't know about that, but bear with me. Just let me, like, explain what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say is that our flesh is dead. Our, our flesh, okay, I, I have, like, skin and bones. I'm still here. I'm not dead, but our flesh is dead. Our flesh is dead, a hundred percent. If you don't believe me, I'll go, I'll go to another scripture. Um, <laughs> I could probably go to like six or seven right now. 
Um, so Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This, is, this should be the, the, the product of the Christian life. The, the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the flesh is crucified. The flesh is dead. Sin is dead in us. The flesh is, is crucified. So when we're born the first time, um, actually, when we're born the first time, we are born into a very sinful world. We're born into, into to sin. Our, our nature is, is against God. It talks about that all over the Bible. Our nature is opposed to God. So that's because of Adam. It's because Adam ate of the, the fruit of the tree. He rebelled from God, and that's us. We're born into that. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we, we die. All, all three of the scriptures I've read so far allude to that, that we, we actually die. We are born again. Our flesh is dead, and we have newness of life. There's an, a new, like, person that God made us to be, and it's not like the old. It's, it's a totally new person, and the flesh is, is dead. Like, the old, uh, that's all over, all over scripture. I'll, I'll get into it in Colossians in, in a little bit as well. It, it talks about putting off the old and putting on the new, because the old is, is totally dead, guys, and, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say the only life that our flesh, our, our sinful desire, the only life that our flesh has is the life that we choose to give it. And I think the reason why we give our flesh life is because of what I said in the beginning, that we, we come into agreement with the accuser and we forget the promises of the Father. If, if we, like, oh my gosh, if we just look at some of these promises, I, I'd, I'd, I'd say most of the people in here, and myself included, do not live like we're victorious in every aspect of our life. I don't, at least. But, but Scripture says that we are. It says that we're more than conquerors. Like, I love, in, in Romans 8, like, this is, is one of the foundation, like, foundational verses of my life. Like, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And that's so, that hits home for me so much because I feel like fear cripples my life sometimes. I feel like I'm afraid to even move. There's so many things that the, God, that the Lord has put on my heart and my mind to do, and, and sometimes I'm just so afraid that I can't even step. But I look at this, this scripture, and I see I've not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So fear isn't who I am. Like, I don't have to agree with that voice of fear in my mind, you know? I can come into agreement with the promise, this promise, because this is available. This is what new life in Christ can look like, a life free from fear. And I think that we have this thing in our minds, like, uh, that's not really possible. It's not, Jonathan, it's, I, I don't, I like what you're saying, but deep down, I, I, I really do not think that I can walk in freedom from this sin. I really do not think that I can stop believing that I'm a piece of crap and that no one likes me. I really don't think that I can believe that. I, I don't think that it's true. And I just, I implore you on behalf of Christ that it's true. When he looks at you, he sees something that he loves so much 
I, I can't even explain it. I can't even explain it. Ephesians 3, um, it's so good. It says, uh, <laughs> this is the love that our God has for us. So Paul's actually praying to the, for the church of Ephesus. Um, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family and I, I need to tell you guys the, the verses that I'm reading. I'm sorry I'm not doing that. This is Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is the good part. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You do not, you've not even scratched the surface of understanding how much God loves you, and I haven't either. It is so infinite, and that's the thing that I said in the very beginning. I want to put salt on your tongues and make you thirst for God, because every time you go to his presence, you will be refreshed. It says that in Acts 3. It's a promise. Every time you go to him, and, you, and I'm, not, I'm not telling you read your Bible more. I'm not telling you pray more. Maybe that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that is what God's telling you. But, but Jesus said that the, to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures thinking that in them you find eternal life, but it's they that bear witness about me. I, the thing that I, I want in my own life and for the life of this, this church is that we would just be with a person, and his name is Jesus. I think that it's, it's easy to forget that what we do, this thing called Christianity, it's easy to forget that this is actually about a person that we're following, and he's real, and he walked on this earth, and he died a real death, and his, his, real, his spirit is in, inside of you 100%. And um, man, we haven't even scratched the surface of this love that he has for us. And, and all of these things that I'm saying, this is what life can be now. If we really do live like our flesh is dead. So, Jonathan, are you saying that I'm never going to sin again? I don't know. I hope not. I hope I never sin again. Is it likely that I do? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> do I have to? Is someone forcing my hand? Is someone making me? No. I'm free. Like, I'm, I'm 100% free from sin, and so are you. Because it says it everywhere in here. Everywhere you read. Like, and I don't know why we miss this. I, I think that a lot of times we read scripture, and, and we don't read it with ownership. We don't read it with, through the lens of like, wow, this is my standing now with God. This isn't something that's far off that I have to get to someday. It's, it's right now. Like, I have this. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, the second part. So, when, when he talks about the, the there, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. When he talks about the flesh, that's what he's talking about. The, the us that is dead, the old version of ourselves. And, and if you look even further in 2 Corinthians 5, so pick up in like 15 and 6. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So man, I, I just pray that, that that's even a great scripture to just pray over yourself, like, especially in the face of temptation, just rather than, like, praying from this place of defeat, which is what I, what I always used to do, like, God, please, 
like, help deliver me from this sin, like, help deliver me from this temptation, like, I just don't, and that's not bad, I'm not telling you that that's bad, but we can, like, pray with authority, like, God, thank you that I am totally free, that I'm a new creation, the old's passed away, the new's come, I want to come in agreement with the new me, the way that you see me, I don't want to agree with the old version of me, I don't want to sin ever again, why would I, why, why, I don't have to do that, and, and my hope is, is not that, like, if you, if you fall into a temptation that you would come and condemn yourself. And because first John says that, that if we sin, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus, who's a propitiation for our sin. So, and, and what I'm also saying, this isn't like a, a, um, like a, a hall pass to go and sin. So like, Jonathan, you're saying that I'm totally new. Like sin is not who I am anymore, even if I do it. Like, so now, I, therefore I can just go and do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Romans says, like, so are we to continue in sin that grace may amount? By no means. Like, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And that's, that's what we live in now. Like, we have died to sin, therefore we don't have to live in it. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move down to the, the next part of 2 Corinthians 5. Um, Okay, so all this, if you look at verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. One thing I really want to touch on there is, is the, uh, the, the verb tense of the word reconciled. If you look at verse 18, it says all of this, everything that he just said beforehand about us being a new creation, new creatures, the old's past, the new's come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that reconciled is, is past tense. <laughs> I love that that's something that's already been done. And honestly, if you look at like so many of the promises that you see in scripture, I'm just going to rattle off a few of them. Ephesians 1, 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've been blessed. That's past tense. Like, we've already been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Um, Ephesians 1, 13, In him you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's something that has happened. It's never going to change. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's not past tense, but that's just awesome. <laughs> Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's a past tense promise. That's something that's already happened. And I love, I, I love, I, I just Dwelling on those promises the other day, I, I was just thinking of what Jesus said when he was on the cross, when he died. He said, it is finished. So when your faith is in Jesus, it is, it is finished. And I, I just like look at my own life, and I'm like, why would I ever go back? Like, why would I ever choose to live in the mindset that, that I used to live in? Why would I ever choose to see myself a way other than the way God sees me? Because, like, seriously, it's, it's not worth it to think about. It's the only perspective that's worth having of yourself is, is, is God's perspective. I think I said that earlier, but it's just so true, guys. 
And I, I think we even attack sin from the wrong perspective sometime. Honestly, um, Colossians 2 says, uh, Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Actually, I'm going to start up at, at verse 12. Um, Having been buried with him, Jesus, in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through, through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And I, I do, I've, I've been saying this over and over again, but just like agreement, we, we so often agree that we're, we're just victims of our sin. We're victims of our circumstances. We know, like, we're children of God. And um, I love that, that, like, the record of debt that we have, the sin that you've committed, Jesus nailed it to the cross. So you don't, you don't have to live. I don't have to live like I'm a slave to it. I don't have to live like I'm stuck to my sin ever again. But a, a lot of the time, I think we do, and I think that's why we find ourselves, like, stuck in these places that we never wanted to be in. And, and God is so faithful. He, like, he works all things together for good for those who love him, you know? Like, I could, I could be in the worst season of my life. I could be just, like, neck deep in, in some sort of addiction, and he's still gonna work that together for good. He's still gonna love me relentlessly through that. Before, I talked about how, you, like, the love of God is unending. It's, Ephesians 3 says that, like, you can't, you can't get to the end of it. But, but he's so faithful, even when I'm in rebellion, even when I'm running from him, he's going to work all of that together for good. Yeah. And he, he's so faithful in that, you know? But like, ah, I, can't, I can't say it enough that I, I just want in my own personal life, in the life of our church, to get out of agreement of the accuser and get into agreement of the Father. And that's really just, like, that's this message. That's the whole message. It's this message of identity, just pleading with you guys to see yourselves the way that Christ sees you. And, and later on, in, in the rest of that scripture I read in 2 Corinthians 5, he goes on and talks about how we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, you know? And something I wrote here, and, and this is kind of a bold, a bold statement, but until you see yourself as a new creation, you cannot and will not effectively steward the message of reconciliation. That's, a, that's, that's pretty intense. That's pretty harsh. But I'm going to read it again because I think it's true. And I think that my, I hope that this just stirs you on the inside and, and gives you this desire to see yourself the way God sees you. Because if, if we identify with the old, we're not going to live in the new, you know? So until you see yourself as a new creation, as the new creation that you are in Christ, you cannot and you will not effectively steward the message of reconciliation. And there's this confidence, there's this freedom, and just like authority that you can live in when you really do see yourself the way that God sees you. Like nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you. That scripture in, in Revelation 12, it, it, at the end of it, me and Jake Turner were talking about this yesterday. It says like, I'm just gonna go to it and, and touch on it again. Um, so it talks about the accuser who accuses them day and night before God, that's the devil. And they, it's talking about the brothers, the church, have conquered him 
by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. They love not their lives even unto death. And that's basically this mindset of like, <laughs> like God, I love you more than my own life. If that means I'm gonna die for your kingdom, so be it. I love not my life unto death. I embrace that. And as long as we're, as long as we're living, believing lies from the enemy that, that tell us who we're not actually, we are gonna be so ineffective for ministry. We're gonna be so ineffective. And it's, it's even difficult to, to, that Acts 3 verse I read before, times of refreshing will come, into the present, come in the presence of the Lord. It's hard to even go to the, the presence of the Lord, like when you are seeing yourself as this dirty, filthy person that's not worthy. And it's true that we are not worthy. But like God says that we are now. So we can trust that, you know? And I'm actually, so I'm actually just gonna read some promises um, that I found in scripture. This is by no means exhaustive. You can find so many more promises in scripture. Um, I've already read a few of them, but I'm going to read some more. So 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So fear is not who you are anymore. So when you experience fear, you can close your eyes and you can say, God, thank you that even though I'm experiencing fear right now, I am not afraid because your word says so. Thank you that I have a, a spirit of power and love and self-control. Thank you that this is who I am because your word is better than my experience. I think all too often we elevate our experience above the word of God. Like we, we make experience and life circumstances our teacher when like our teacher is, is Jesus. Perfect theology is, is the life of Jesus, you know? And, and we even like build doctrines around our experience. And like, ah, I get, I get it that it's hard. Like, Jonathan, you're telling me that I'm not a sinner anymore because Romans 5 says that. You're telling me that I'm not a sinner anymore, but I just sinned. Like, how, how is this possible? It's possible by just believing the reality. Like, God, even though I just did this thing that I, I hate, that I don't want to do, I acknowledge the fact that this is not who I am. I can live in freedom from this. I can live in freedom from fear and any addiction. I don't have to live in this this mindset of, of anxiety and depression, I'm totally free. And that, that can be, that is so hard. It's so hard to elevate truth above what your experience says. But as you do it, your, your life will come into agreement with who God says that you are. And I, I think that that's ultimately what sanctification is, is this process of us becoming who God already sees us as. Um, I'm going to continue. So, uh, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. That's a promise. We're saved if your faith's in Jesus. Uh, Matthew 11:28 through 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's something a lot of us need. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when we go to Jesus, that's what we can trust. We can trust to, to receive abundant life, not easy life, 
promise you, it's not easy. (laughs) In fact, like Timothy actually promises us persecution. He says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's another promise. I didn't put that one in there, but it's a promise. It's not an easy life. And when I talk about all this stuff, living in victory and, and living in freedom from sin, I'm not I'm not like talking about prosperity. I'm not talking about butterflies and rainbows from here on out. This is hard. As you you choose, make the conscious decision daily to live in Christ's identity, it's really hard. Like it's not easy. It is not easy to elevate truth above my experience. It's really difficult. But why not see myself the way God sees me? Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. I love that one. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, yeah, worshiping, you can come up. Um, but really, guys, that's, that's my prayer, that we would be people who are hungry for God, and that we'd be, be people who are just transformed by the gospel, and that, that we would come in alignment and agreement with who God says that we are. If you don't take anything away from today, take that away. I have to see myself the way the Father sees me. And then dig into Scripture. Don't even take my word for it. Dig into Scripture and and evaluate the different different promises of the Father, the way that He sees you. God is so good, guys. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to share something with you guys. Um, I wasn't sure about this, but I'm just, I'm going to share it. So everyone close your eyes. Um, and I'm just going to share with you just this, this picture, this image that God gave me a couple weeks ago. Ashley and I were praying and, in my truck, and like God just blasted me with this image and just totally wrecked me. Um, but I think that we all identify with it, all will identify with it. I, I just saw, I saw this image, and it's, it's basically just the story of the prodigal son, but for whatever reason, it just hit home so hard with me. But I saw this image of this, like, ragged, bruised, beaten little child who just was covered in dirt, dirty clothes, scrapes, bruises all over him. It was just like the image, it was just a sad image. And he was so afraid, so insecure, and just so small and weak. And he, he, it just looked like he had been beaten up by life. And I identified with him. And he approached God. I'm not saying I saw God in a vision, but this, this person that he approached, I knew that it was God, and he approached God. And God so gently, so kindly just put clean clothes on him and just washed his, his wounds and like loved him. He just received him. It was just like this image of adoption and he had this table made, and he sat him down at this table, and they just ate. And that was it. And uh, that's who we are. We're not the dirty, bruised, beaten kid anymore. Like, God has given us new clothes. He's cleaned our wounds, and he's called us child. And if your faith's in Jesus, he's pleased with you. I promise he's pleased with you. And he loves you so much. And if you don't know him, do it. 
That's the kind of God he is. He takes you bruised, battered, ugly, insecure, and he just loves you. So if you don't know him, make that decision today, please. We're going to have people praying for whoever wants prayer, and just because you go back and get prayer doesn't mean you have something wrong with you. (laughs) I need prayer. (laughs) I'll probably go back and get prayer because I want to believe this stuff, and these people will speak identity over you. They'll speak life over you. They will tell you how God sees you. They'll tell you how much he loves you. So next time you have a lie shoot through your brain that that says you're ugly, you're not enough, God doesn't really love you, man, just kill that thing. And lift up truth. Preach to yourself. I have to preach to myself all the time. This is who I really am. I'm not this lie. I don't have to identify with this lie. God can use me. So yeah, I encourage you guys to get prayer. Um, I love all you guys a ton. And I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna pray for us one more time before we jump back into worship. God, you're so good. And I love that that is who you are. You're a God who takes us, mess and all, and you put us back together. You love us. You give us a new identity. You adopt us as your own kids. We were orphans. Every single person in this room, and I, I think there's people in this room who are still orphans fatherless and you scooped us up you called us child gave us a ring and a robe and it doesn't matter what we did this is who we are now the old's past the new has come so God just help us to be a people who identify with the new who identify with the with who you see us as God I, I don't want to believe a lie from the accuser ever again because he's been defeated 100% he's dead like he's he's defeated we're free from him like we're free from his, his lies so God help us to just get past those lies and forget those lies and to come into agreement with who you see us as God please like we're desperate Holy Spirit this, this, this is you we can't do this by ourselves we need you so just flood our hearts, God, even as we worship, as we sing these, these promises, this new identity. We are your children. I am a child of God. And that will never change. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to depression or anxiety. I'm not a slave to my addiction. I'm, I'm a child of God. So God, help us to be people who identify with that, who, who step into the truth 100%, God. And if we sin, thank you that we have an advocate, Christ Jesus, who's our propitiation for sin. And, and because of that, God, I pray that we would just run far from sin. God, I just, I just pray against sin in this church, that it would die. God, that just any addiction would just die, that, 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 that the pornography, sexual sin would just die. And God, that we would be people who just walk in freedom because this campus needs freed sons and daughters. God, we want to see this campus saved. We want to see you see worshiping you. So, God, we just love you. Thank you for for loving us more than we will ever love you, and you're just a really good God. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys want to go ahead and sing?